just had a real sense during the worship that we can that Jesus just wanted to affirm his love for us. Just to affirm his love for us. And I felt there were specific individuals this morning that he was just wanting to reveal himself to you in a supernatural way. And I, I misquoted a scripture earlier, actually it's Ephesians 3 verse 18, and thereabouts, and I just want to read it to you because you don't have to find their backs, it's, it's a bit of scripture, but I just want to read this to you because as I was spending time this week in the Lord, I just... I just felt the Father just want to affirm His love for us and almost call you out by name. Emil, He loves you. Johnny, He loves you. Chad, He loves you. There's another Chad in the building, but you didn't know that. Stephen, He loves you. Brandon, He loves you. He loves you. I want to read this scripture. And you know, we, you know, we sang a lot of songs about the love of God. I thought there was a lot of, um, you know, I don't know if you noticed how we were singing. It was like God saying, I love you, and we were responding back to him. Isn't that a beautiful Tundi song of us responding back? Lord, I love you. And I tell you what, when we understand and when we have a revelation of God's love, it wrecks us. And we can't have that revelation through our own intelligence, I believe. It's through the Holy Spirit. And so in Ephesians chapter 3 from verse 14, it says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father. This is Paul speaking. I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, and here's the part, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth what is the length, what is the height, and what is the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That you may have strength. Isn't that incredible? That the only way we can truly know the love of God is when the Holy Spirit gives us strength and ability to do that. And that is my prayer this morning, that Holy Spirit, for each and every one of us, maybe sitting here, not realizing that our legs have been cut off, not realizing that we're blind, that you, by your power right now, would come into hearts and minds. Come, Jesus. Can you just pray with me together? Come, Jesus. Come, Jesus. Maybe just, where you're sitting, just receive from him and ask him. Say, Holy Spirit, I need a revelation of your love. I need a revelation of your love to change me to change me from the inside out. I don't want to be the same. I don't want to be the same old, same old this year. Just ask Him. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, I pray.
come and wash right now. That we would be gripped to the very core of our being. And we would understand what it means to be loved by the Father. To be loved. To be loved by one. To be loved by one that would give up his life for us. Come, Holy Spirit, I pray. Come, Holy Spirit. only in understanding his love and knowing his love that we can then in return say, I love you. Lord, I know that you love us so much. That you sent your son to die on the cross for us and that you came to reconcile man to God. That you love us. Lord, I pray this year that you would give us a revelation of your love. Just even as you're sitting here, I know, like I even sense some of you feel Absolutely disqualified. You know that the thing about the legs being cut off. It actually, for me, it goes of a sense of I feel disqualified. I feel like my I don't deserve it. You're right. You don't deserve it. You don't deserve His love. You don't deserve it. None of us do. We are just undeserving of His grace and His mercy. And yet, he gives. Yet he gives it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just let that soak in. So it's like a fillet in a marinade. Just marinate it. Like, it's just it's what it is. Just let it just filtering into your very existence that He loves you. Nothing you will ever do will separate you from the love of God. His love. His love. It's changing us into His image. It's His love that makes us want to be better. That wants us, makes us want to be holy. It's His love. We can't deny it. We need to receive the revelation. And I want to encourage you that as you go into the days and the weeks, as you spend time before the Lord, that you would ask Him. That would be your prayer. Lord, would you reveal your love for me? It's a simple prayer. And in faith, believe that He will start to do it. Believe in faith that He will start to reveal His love. Because I promise you now, when you're in love, and you experience love, you can't be the same. Hey? Come on. It wrecks us. When we're in love, it wrecks us. Makes us do weird and crazy things. I've watched these youngsters that are in love. Where's Andy this morning? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Wilco and Olivia. The, the youngest marriage in our congregations. I've watched the Olivia gazing into Wilkes and she admires him and she just thinks he's the best. <laughs> May Burman. <laughs> <laughs>
I've watched Alicia look into Steve's eyes. Also, young marrieds, gays. And then I've looked at the older marrieds, Bob and Barbara, and I've looked at how she admires and gazes on her husband and says, man, this is my man. This is my man. How many years this year? 47 years. Can I share what you told me? John shared a story about his dad to me this week. She said in the last few weeks, he went to his wife, just took her and said, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. That's the father. I love you. You know, this year is full of things and so much. We can do so much. We can get so carried away in going on outreaches and building the youth and building our kids' ministry and, you know, getting our discipling going and training up community leaders. But if we don't stay rooted and grounded in the love of our Father, it's an absolute waste of time. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. Love Him. Love Him. If, that's, if there's nothing else you do this year, if there's nothing else you do, is learn to love God like you should. Because if you do, you will never be the same. Honestly, you, you the things of the world can grow strangely dim. But if you love him and you faith, because you know what? When you love him, you obey him. Word says, if you love me, you will obey my word. I often tell a story with the kids growing up of, of how we, and, and, and it was just a little object lesson to them. I, I would go into the, the room, into Noah's room, and I said, Noah, do you love me, my boy? Yes, Daddy, I love you. He's a little boy. I said, Noah, do you really love Daddy? I said, yes. And I wanted to teach him something. So hear my heart here. I said, no, I don't think you love Daddy. <gasps> no, Daddy, I do love you. I do. No, I don't think you do. I said, why, Daddy? Why do you say I don't love you? He says, because you didn't pick up dog poo. <laughs> what? He didn't pick up dog poo? <laughs> I said, yes, because I asked you to do something. And you didn't obey me. And this is what the Word of God says. If you love God, you will obey Him. And that is my prayer, is that we will, we will become a people that are known as lovers of God. Lovers of God. I don't want to become known as that church who feeds the street, the street guys. or I don't want to be known as that kind of church. I want to be known as a church that loves God. That holds him first and priority of our lives. That he is our center, our devotion. And that we would never, never be lovers of self. That we would never make it about us. And the reason why I say that is that is because in Corinthians, why he, Paul speaks about this. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 from verse 26. And he's uh, talking to the church there. He's talking to them and he says, 
why, why, do, why is it so important that we love God? He says, for consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to your worldly standards, but many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being may boast in the presence of the God. That, in the presence of God. That is why. So He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus, whom God made our wisdom and our righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. That is what I want to boast about, is that we will be known as a people who love the Lord. We wouldn't boast about our own deeds, our own achievements, our own things that we accomplished this year, our great youth group and our great serving team and our great worship team. We wouldn't boast about those things, but we would boast about the Lord. We would boast about Him, His goodness. You wouldn't boast about the preaching. We wouldn't boast about the way we love one another and the way we, and I tell you what, guys, I, I'm, I want to commend you, and, and I do, in a sense, just want to throw this in, is I hear the way that you loved on visitors over the holidays, and while we were away, even there was a couple staying in our home, and he was like, you know, we, we've been in Josh Jenner a while, and, and we're part of a congregation, we, and we know what it's like when, you, when you're a Josh Jenner and you go into another congregation, guys, they, they're just, hi, how's it, and oh, you're a Josh Jenner, great, they don't, but they felt like royalty in George while we were away. They got invited to bras, yeah, and bras there, and New Year's Eve party there. And, and they, they were going, yo, maybe we need to move to George. <laughs> That's what it should be like. I'll tell you what, when I go back to Cape Town now, it's quite embarrassing. Because all I hear is this, yes, we hear it's going so amazing in George. Just, and I'm like, it's not, it's, not, it's not us. It's nothing I'm doing. It's really nothing I'm doing. And the guys are going, but it's because of your love for Jesus. And I want to encourage you this year that you would continue in your love for God. And in that, you'll love one for another. All right. I mean, there's a number of visitors here and a number of guys in the last while have been coming. And, and something I did forget to mention uh, earlier was about our comm groups and our life groups getting back together this week from Wednesday on. And, and if you're not in a life group, if you're new and you're visiting and you want to join us on a Wednesday night, Please, that is where we express our love one for another. That's part of it. It's not just something we do when we feel like it. I want to I just sort of reshape our thinking. Community is not just something we do when we're bored or life group on a Wednesday. It's not just something when I've got time and, okay, the day wasn't so hectic. If the day was hectic, you need life group even more. If the week has been hectic, you need life group even more. So for those of us who go to community once in a while when the wind's blowing in a westerly direction, change your attitude now, <laughs> change your heart. That is where we love one another. Okay. That is where we live out, we flesh out this thing. And it's not only in communion on a Wednesday night, but it's every day. God has called us to be a church that lived New Testament Christianity. Acts 2.42, they met in one another's homes daily. We don't have a cooking clue what that means yet, because we're protective. We're, we're selfish. We want our little kingdom. We want our rest. We want our Rump steak, we want ours. If God is calling us to love him, then what does that mean? It means we will love one another, and we will overextend ourselves to one another. And I want to encourage us to continue to do that. I mean, Petrus and Mariska, you guys, 
I'm going to say it. I've watched how you have poured out your lives for people. And this week, going through, I mean, can I, may I? She, she miscarried on Sunday night, Monday, Monday night, or in that time period. I, I don't know if any of you knew she was even pregnant, but they've been keeping it. But, it, but she miscarried, and, and it, was, it was heart-wrenching. And I'm sharing this as family, and, and they're okay with it because they, God has done an incredible thing. And you people loved on them this week by taking their meals. It's been a hard week for John and the family and Kanye and, and, and Bruce and the guys here. And just, man, I know you people have loved. There's been phone call after phone call. There's been tears. There's been hugs. I mean, it was, you know, it, it's been a crazy week. <laughs> we've, come, we've come back from holiday flying at 100 miles an hour. But you know what? It's God's grace that will sustain us. It's God's grace that will carry us because he has called us to this work. And we will not. We will not give up. We will not let it go. We will hold on because he loves us and because we love him. Church, he is calling us this year to something of great, great excitement, great, great expectations. Isn't that a book? <laughs> it's a classic. He's calling you and me, not just the leadership. He's calling you and me. Heinrich, he's calling you. He's calling you this year. All of us come into the year wondering, and I'm sure many of us have that question, what is God calling us to? Hey, who's, who's, who's asking that question? What, what, what am I called to this year? What is God calling me to? Maybe you're even asking the question generally, what am I called to? What am I called to? What are we called to as a church? What are we, what are we called to do? What is God asking of us? Well, firstly, is that you'd love Him. It's firstly that you'd love Him. And that you would just give him your whole heart. I was looking at a number of scriptures and I've been pondering over this thing about our call. And, and knowing that God, and I don't want to go into a whole predestination preach because that will just throw me totally. <laughs> but God choosing us and calling us. I believe God has called each and every one of us. He chose us and he has called us. And he has set us into Christ. For his righteousness. I love that. I think I, there was a part of that scripture that I read now in 1 Corinthians. If you break it down, it's, it speaks about how God has chosen us as his people. He's chosen us. And then he calls us. He calls us in the family. Why? Why does he call us? So that we will be in Christ Jesus. That we will be the righteousness, the sanctification of redemption. That he, that's why he calls us. For righteousness. Right standing, righteousness, sanctification, holiness. Love that scripture. I think it's in, um, is it Romans 8? Um, or is it Ephesians? Sorry. I've, I've, let's just, just put Romans 8 up there, Bex. I want to see is it that one. Well, let me read this because it's part of it all and it's a great. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Isn't that encouraging? For those who are called according to his purpose, those who are called by God, he works all things. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That's you and me. You and me, we've been conformed to the image of his son. His son, Jesus, perfect. We've been called to that. In order that he might be the first among, amongst many brothers, 
and those whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. We are called to glorify God. We're called to love him. We're called to glorify him. We're called to bring him glory, to boast about him, not about ourselves. And then in Ephesians 4, that's the one I actually wanted, but it works on. He says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling in which you have been called, with all humility, with all gentleness, with all patience, bearing one another in love, eager to maintain the unity. He's calling us to walk in humility, in a manner worthy of our calling. It's, it's, a, humble, it's a humble posture that we need to take, not one of arrogance, not one of thinking we're the church to, to be part of, that we're it, we've arrived. Josh, Jane, George, yes, we are it. No, humble. Thank you, Jesus, that you choose to use simple men and women like you and me. I mean, that's why that scripture in Corinthians I love so much, that he chooses the, the lowly. He chooses the simple things so that he can be glorified. Isn't it beautiful? Right, keep it up, babes. My daughter. <laughs> With all gentleness. Are you gentle? Gentle? Are your words Bathed in gentleness? Or are you abrupt? Is there an abruptness about you? Is there an abrasiveness? Are you arrogant? Are you abusive? Are you argumentative? No. He calls you to be gentle. Are you patient with one another? Oh. Oh. <laughs> we had a joke this holiday. <laughs> Miller's walk. Well, it's actually, the, it, it, she emulates the teenagers when you, when you ask a teenager to do something. <laughs> Shoulders slumped, arms forward. Are you patient with one another? Husbands, are you patient with your wives? Wives, are you patient with your husbands? <laughs> wives, are you patient with your husbands? Husbands, are you patient with your wives? Mothers, fathers, are you patient with your children? Children, are you patient with your parents? <laughs> Noah, are you patient with me, boy? <laughs> it's such an honor to have my kids just be brought up in the church and loving Jesus. I mean, I just I had a moment, sorry, sideline, just watching Brian and Noah lead worship together. You know, I think it was about 11 years ago, they got baptized together on the same day. <laughs> I was just like, come on, that's pretty cool. And now they're leading worship. It's not the first time they've led worship together. But I just, just feel something for you guys, that God's going to use you together for his kingdom. All right. That sometimes, guys, God puts a David and a Jonathan together for a reason. This year for you, buddy, Brian. I mean, I know you. <laughs> but as you work, I know God's going to be installing values into you this year of character, character deep character. Because I mean, working for Eugene's tough thing. Right? We know, we know Eugene. 
sorry. <laughs> His boss is an elder in the other congregation, Eugene van Lochenberg. He's a good friend of ours that we tease. But, but I really believe that this year God's going to put something into you of character and strength that actually is going to shine and, and you, you're going to be blown away. And I know you're giving yourself into the workplace already. I mean, literally the day after he finished his, his last exam, he started working. No Christmas holiday for the man. So you get a few days between Christmas and New Year's, maybe. No, nothing. I'm like, who does that? You finish matric, finals, and you start working the very next day. He's got a parent. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Benny. <laughs> it's Benny's boy. <laughs> Lauren and Benny going, yes, we've got rent. But just for the two of you boys, as God has called you, as God has called you, that you would this year, let's go to that scripture, walk in a manner worthy of the calling. It's not about the calling. It's about the way you walk out your calling. Calling can be anything. You can be called to the poor, to feed the starving. You can be called to lead a church. You can be called to go to Malawi. It's not about the calling. I think we so often get hung up about the calling. What am I supposed to be doing? It's got nothing to do with that. It's about how you walk it out. You can do, I was going to say, you can do anything. You can do anything. <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> it's not about what you do. Because I think so often we get stuck in that place, and especially for you youngsters, like, what am I called to do this year? And for Michaela and for Benji going, like, I don't know what I'm called to. So I'm, it's not about what you're called to or what you're going to do in life. I never knew what I wanted to do. All I knew is that I, whatever I did, I needed to do it well. I needed to do it in a manner that was worthy of the calling, which was one of humility, gentleness, patience, and bearing with one another. And so often we're so caught up in the calling that we forget about that. And that is what maketh man. It's our character. I remember as a young man just going, coming, like growing up in the church like my kids are, and just like, man, what has God called me to? Like, what has God called me to? Like, I don't want to be a, a doctor or a lawyer or a dentist. Like, I, I don't want to, that's, what has God called me to? And I couldn't, and it's, I tell you, it took me a long time to figure out that it wasn't about what I was called to. It was about just doing it in a manner that was worthy of the calling. Now, you know, Nikki and I have been married now for almost 20 years this year. We've been married for 20 years this year, in March. And, um, you know, when we got together in the early days, we, 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 we liked each other. We knew each other as kids, funny enough. I mean, those of you who know, know our story, we had known each other at the age of about 16, 17 years old, thereabouts. And Nick's dad had been transferred to Durban. And, I, you know, life had carried on in about, you know, Ten years later, we bumped into each other again, and it was like, hey, I know you, and anyway, we got back to you. But when we started knowing, realizing that, yeah, he's no dung, no, he's all. She's nice, she's nice, she's nice. Suddenly, all the demons came out. <laughs> Suddenly, like, things started getting rough, you <laughs> But I tell you what, we knew in that moment that God had called us to be together. But young was it tough. On said, but clay. That first year of dating, well, first, well, we only really had a year of dating and engagement. But that year leading up to marriage and the first year of marriage was honestly hell on earth. That was. Nikki 
had issues and I had issues. And we did. You know, we, we, we speak freely about this. We're not embarrassed about it because we are who we are today because of actually holding on to what God had called us to. So often we're so quick to just give up because it's hard. I can't do this anymore. He leaves his jocks on the floor. (laughs) He doesn't put his toothpaste on the lid. He leaves the toilet seat up. She keeps, she doesn't make the food I like. No, I'm I'm every joke, but honestly, you know, I tell you, if it wasn't for that, knowing what God had called us to, and knowing and holding on to that, we wouldn't, and, and if it wasn't for holding on to, like, his love for us, we would not be together today. We would not be counting for him. And I stand here in awe because I chose at a young age, and I tell you, it was through God giving me an incredible woman that caused me to just know what it means to be humble and to humble myself. Take the lower road. You don't always have to be right, Chad. Neither does she. (laughs) It was God doing a work in both our lives. We don't always have to be right. We don't always have to be on top. It's not about me. It's not about me being right and her being wrong. I had to learn to be gentle in the way I spoke to her. Because I came out of a family of three boys. And tell me, one said, like a chalami. Have you heard what a lummy is? Hi. This is a lummy. Come here, stand up. Uh, but no, but there's not a lummy. <laughs> I, I don't want to hurt him. <laughs> you show me. I grew up with a brother three years older than me. Yes, like that. We used to get into fisty cups, so yes, like. So and we had to fight for our thing. You know, we like, yeah. yeah. Come on, what's up? And my mother, shame, she's not yet, she's not yet to defend herself. She was strong too. <laughs> and we got into a few, she actually dislocated my jaw. <laughs> she did. I was giving a lip. She just went boom. <laughs> shame. She has repented for that, I will say. She has repented. <laughs> she has repented. No, we, we, we have a wonderful relationship, my mother and I now. But there was a time when we got into, we got into Dick Barney's. Why? Because, you know, I, wanted, I, was, I was a young gun. You know? <laughs> but I tell you what, it is, God taught me what it means to be gentle. I could have gone in there, and she always used to say to me, and it's true, Boys, the way, you teach, the way you treat your mother is the way you're going to treat your wife. <laughs> that is the truth. I had to learn. I had to learn a whole new set of rules when I got married because I had not treated my mom with the respect that she deserved. I had not loved her in the way that she deserved. I had a lot of repenting to do. And we're right. My mom and I are in a fantastic place now. Okay, so that's the past. That's history. Jesus has washed me clean. We're in a wonderful, we have a wonderful relationship, both my mom and dad. But God had to do something in me because if I wanted to walk out the calling that God had in my life, I had to do it in a manner worthy of the calling. And that required gentleness. Okay. So we want to walk out our calling? Gentleness. Men? Gentleness. Women? Gentleness. Now, it, it goes both ways. Nikki's had to learn to be gentle. She came into our marriage struggling with anger, like next level. I always tease, she doesn't remember it really, but she broke a chair over my back, right? 
<laughs> See, she always denies it. I was working in the garage, and we were in a fight, and she brought something I was making and threw it at me. I can't remember what I was making. She used to <laughs> she, we used to live in a little flat. Okay, I'm going to picture this. The, 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 the flat was this little flat. Eh? The, the, the bathroom, to get to the shower, you had to get into the bathroom, close the door, and then go to the shower. And the toilet was, it was literally like a meter wide. And, she would, and the door opened in, and she would get in there put her, her back up against the wall and her legs up against the door. <laughs> so I could not get to her. <laughs> and she would stand, I'm not coming out. I'm not coming out. And say, you're coming out. We sort this out. But we did. <laughs> Those were the early days. <laughs> yeah, wuss, eh? <laughs> yeah. She says, in the early days... You know, fortunately, Andrew and Emma have a similar story. It seems like they, you get what your leaders got. No. But, I mean, just the fact that God would take two arrogant, hard-headed people full of pride and just anger, whatever it was. I mean, I, yes, I remember my emotions. I mean, being up and down. One day, I was flying high as a kite. The next day, you know, don't come near me. You're going to slit your wrists with me kind of thing. It was like wuss. And I used to... Put Nikki on these guilt trips and sulky puppy and all those kind of things. And, and I tell you, God did a work. And so that he knew that in order for us to walk out our calling, and that is what he's calling each and every one of us, to walk out our calling in a, ma- in a manner worthy of it. With all humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love. How many of us struggle with that one, to bear with one another? It's, it's, it's easy enough bearing with one another. Period. <laughs> but to bear with one another in love is no custody. I, I mean, I can bear with you, and this, this is what this means, the bare minimum. So I can bear with you because you know, you, we have a difference of opinion, and I'm like, hold you at an arm's length, and I go, okay, all right. I don't have to have much to do with you. I'll bear with you. You can be you, and I'll be me. Let's agree to disagree. Have you heard that one? Let's agree to disagree. But to bear with one another in love is no custody. That's your boy too. My mouth was. Sorry, caught my eye. <laughs> to bear with one another in love. How do we do that? Anybody got an answer? <laughs> How do you bear with one another in love? And I tell you, it's only possible through understanding the supernatural love of God. That's the only way. You can't do it in your own strength. You can't love your brother in your own strength. And it comes through this thing of, if you love me, you will obey me. But if you love me, you will love your brother. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love your enemy as you love yourself. We need to, and I, and I really felt that this, for us this year, God is calling us. He's calling us. Who knows what he's calling us to? He's calling us, this I do know. Because I, I, I think it's in Timothy. Did I, um, 2 Timothy 1. Verse 9, this is what I know he is calling us to. He who saved us and called us to a holy calling. He's calling us to a holy lifestyle. That's, that's what he's calling us to before anything else. He's calling us to live lives that are holy. Holy. Lives of righteousness. Calling us. And not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave, in, uh, he gave us 
in Christ Jesus. He's called us to be holy. And if anything, that's what he's called us to be. Let's get that right. Because I think there's many of us, again, being cut off at the knees because of the sin in our lives. There's many of us not walking in a measure of anything because we're caught up in our own selfish desires. We're chasing after our own things. We're not chasing after the things of God. We're so, building, we're so busy building our own palace and our own house and our own kingdom that we're not building the kingdom of God. And this is a challenge to us as believers. And this is, to be honest, I think one of the things that separates Joshua generation apart from many other congregations. We are called to build God's kingdom. We're not called to build our own kids. Not about Chad getting big and chesty and all trim. It's not about that. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. Come on. It's about Him, His glory, that this church would become a church not known because we're cool and hip and have lack of coffee or whatever and great paintings on the wall or whatever. No, we would be known as a church who love God, that love Him passionately and that love each other and that we live lives that are holy, that there would be no sin. We would not have sin amongst us, that when it does, when there is, where we do mess up, that we come quickly forward, we confess. You know, I think that is for me the beautiful thing is I've got friends in this congregation and men that I'm walking with, and when they mess up, they come to me quickly and they say, I'm sorry. I'm not not to, that they've done something to me, but man, I messed up. Let us be people who act quickly and deal quickly with sin. Deal, you know, guys, Jesus is coming soon. He's coming soon, Yong. We can't be in a iffy place with him. He's coming soon. I had this little bit of a revelation, and I don't know, I want to bounce out of one of the other guys, but have you noticed over the last while, there has, no, there has been no major theologian rise up? You notice that? The, the top oaks, the heavies, the heavy hitters out there have died, and there's no new heavy hitters coming in. I, I don't know, I'm just saying, I've, I've noticed that. There, I mean, John Piper's an old guy, I mean, he's turning, <laughs> sorry. He's turning 70 this year. <laughs> He's older than you, Bob. No, but I mean, John Piper, like those guys, there's no, there's no, the guys that are coming up are totally off the mark. They really have lost the plot. It's all about me, the gospel and everything. But the heavy hitters, the David Pawsons of the world, there's, I don't see it. And I'm going, God, what's happening? Are we in the last of the last days? Is God not going, you know what? You've had your chance. I brought, you know, I brought, there's been an opportunity. I mean, the prophets, like, honestly, I, I don't know of any major, I mean, back when I was alive, there were some major prophets around. Do we see it still, really? I don't know. It's, what is God doing? But I do know this is coming soon. You better be ready. You better be ready. I mean, there might be some guys that I don't know of. And I'll put it out there. But I'm just going, this was just my own little personal thoughts. So really, let's not make it gospel. But I'm just going, man, God, is this just an indication that you're coming soon? And God's not coming for the lost. He's not coming back for the lost. Can I just put that out there? He's coming back for the church. He's coming back for his bride. The lost, if, if you don't know Jesus in a personal way, and you do not have a relationship, you've not accepted him as your Lord and Savior, and you do not understand what it means to be, have a relationship with him, tell you what, the, Jesus isn't coming back for that person anymore. He's coming back for those who have chosen him. And he's coming 
on a white horse. How does that scripture go? With fire in his eyes and a sword on his shield, a sword on his thigh, dripping with blood. He's coming back for his church. Are you ready? Church, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you living in a manner right now worthy that when he comes back, you're ready and you can say, yes, I'm ready for you, Jesus. I'm ready for you, Jesus. And this morning, just as you're sitting here, and I know like we, we had that call at the beginning for those of you who feel like, you know what, we often go through times when we feel like our legs are cut off or we've lost vision or sight. And I tell you, my hope this year, my prayer for you as a church is that you would have a revelation of the love of Jesus and that you would know that you're called to a holy lifestyle and to be living out that holy lifestyle in a manner that is worthy of the Father. Worthy of the Father. So maybe we can just close our eyes. Just bow your heads and 